But uh, let's cheers before we get this thing off and running, and uh, we'll get going. All right, cheers. Oh, cheers, cheers. welcome you. to the Yellow Table, Thank Josh. Thank you very much, appreciate it. Persistence culture. Persistence, firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Culture, the customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or other social group. Keep moving. This is Persistence Culture. We are Ventura County's premier podcast. I am your co-host, Mambo, and we got your host, Jason. What is up, man? Mambo, what is going on today, brother? How you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Just a bunch of graduations that are coming up in the family. It is that season, dude. I don't know what the hell I was just looking at, but it's, somebody said, yeah, graduation season. We're closed from this day to this day. So You know, uh, wifey, wifey is the one actually who got invited because it's, uh, you know, it's her side of the family. Okay. And uh, I'm like the 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 invite up because someone dropped out. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. okay. <laughs> Which is all good. I'll go support. Hey. But, you know, when uh, when it's a week away and now all of a sudden I got to find something to wear and, you know. Is it a good celebration at least? We got an after party? We got a reception or something? Uh, probably not. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I think wifey just wants to use me to, uh, to drive. I, uh, so, hey. Yeah, hey. we're going to Long Beach for the first one. Smart move. Yeah. Smart move, wifey. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is graduation season. You know, summer's coming. Things are changing. You know, so it's uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, I know you're looking forward to uh, to summer. You got you got some uh, family coming into Big town time. soon. Big time. Yeah, Ma Dukes. By the time you guys hear this podcast, she will be uh, safely here in Ventura. So I'm pumped. She's coming with my sister. So they're gonna get the auntie and grandma out all weekend long. So it's gonna be dope. Yeah, man. And then uh, once this air, uh, once this one airs, uh, we're gonna be a couple of days away from our uh, podcast party too. Yeah, man. yeah. The Keep It Local Bash at uh, Limoni Sal up on the rooftop. It's gonna be going down it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast and i'm hoping to see uh, as many listeners and guests that could possibly make it there yeah and if you uh, want to be a part of it uh send us a dm at persistence culture and uh we'll, we'll figure out a way how to get you in there all right yes, sir yeah you'll be there you'll be there but one person that's definitely going to be there is today's guest and today's guest is no stranger to being persistent he has grinded his way through a successful indie singer and songwriter career who has toured the country multiple times with the likes of three doors down the jonah brothers and zach brown just to name a few He's a master's degree graduate from the great Ashford University and now a super successful client manager for Influential You. We have the one and only Josh D'Amigo in studio. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, yes. no doubt. Josh, you came looking sharp, bro. I really <laughs> like that jacket, man. You're looking good, dude. Thank you, man. I, I got a compliment last week. You know, you guys, Jennifer Caldwell complimented this oh, jacket okay. with Food Share, yeah. and I haven't taken it off since. <laughs> nice. I've been sleeping in it. It's been rough. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Well, I'd like to take a, uh, take a solid uh, compliment. <laughs> And definitely good advice to keep that jacket on. You're looking, you're looking spiffy, man. Um, but thanks for coming to the Yellow Table. How you doing today, dude? It's so good. What a day, right? It's summer's coming back. Like we're getting that spring weather. So the sun's coming. Hell the rain's yeah, done. Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be like 80 this weekend. I'm pumped, man. So good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be a good time getting out there to the beach and all, all that good stuff. But what I really want to know about right now, Josh, is when did you realize a passion for singing, right? In that intro, we started with the indie songwriter. To me, I love indie music, and, you know, I really am excited to hear how you started that type of career. So when did you find that passion? You know, it, I was four, and my mom had me in, in church plays. And okay. I, I had this... I had surgery on my ears a few times, so things were really sensitive all the time. It's kind of like when you put your finger on your ear, that little ear thing, uh -huh. and you can hear yourself better. Yeah. It, it's what it always sounds like to me. So I, I constantly was always listening to like the way that I could hit pitches and tones that other people couldn't hit, and then you get that taste on the stage. You know, you get that taste behind the microphone, and suddenly you're addicted. So at four, I knew there was a problem, and anytime <laughs> I could get on stage, I was doing plays, I was doing um, bands and stuff. When I was 16, I picked up a guitar, and started doing worship at my church. And then uh, in I went to college in San Diego. San Diego uh, Christian College was Christian Heritage. All right. And then I would sneak out and go to the open mics in San Diego. <laughs> and that's how it kind of started. It just, I, I watched everybody. I watched them play. And then I couldn't stop. And for about 10 years, I toured nationally. I did a bunch of stuff. Uh, kind of did my master's degree on uh, being a broke ass. Hell like, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. I, I got to study Willie Nelson and multiple revenue streams. And, and there's actually, like, you can actually look at Willie Nelson and find out that there's literally a um, an ROI on being kind. 
Like just being nice and staying and talking to people after a show, you can actually see like a graph of like how much more money you make not being a dick. So <laughs> it's pretty cool to go to college yeah. and that's what you get to Pay study. Pay attention, so, kids. Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah, nice. yeah, don't be a dick. There it is, right there. You heard it from Josh D'Amigo right there. That is solid. It, it, that's, uh, dude. And the that podcast. Is, yeah. <laughs> Show credits. We're good. Yeah, We're, definitely. 1,000%. But man, that is just like, it's such simple knowledge, but not everybody really thinks of it, dude. And I never I never heard it in those terms, you know, an ROI on being kind, you know? And I think the, I think the problem is you can't really think of the ROI probably on being kind. You actually have to want to do it it's not something you can do like non-organically i don't think you, you know it's it's interesting right you, you're most often right i think that there it does take a little bit of effort sometimes yeah. to be kind but if you're if you're paying attention you can tend to do it more often than if you're just kind of going with the flow i think more often than not we're not not being nice we're mostly just not being aware of how we're moving, right? Like we're constantly just bouncing off each other, doing our daily to day, yep. not realizing how we're acting. But when you're aware and you start to look at, hey, how am I acting? You start to realize, oh, dude, I'm kind of a dick. And then, like you know, you you start to realize, oh, most of the problems in my world come from what I've put out there. Like half the problems that I've done, I've I I did it to myself. What did I say to that person to make them react in that way? Yeah. And more often than not, I think that when you're able to to figure out and pay attention to how I'm acting, you can intentionally find a way to be uh, more kind. Probably not all the time because, you know, humans, it's not possible, right? It's impossible. Yeah. People but, have bad days and stuff. Yeah. But that just awareness that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a treating person like this. Maybe I should need to eat something. Maybe my biology's off. Maybe I need to have an, <laughs> yeah. a drink. And yeah, maybe I need I'm a ballast <laughs> point in me and right. then, uh, I'll stop being a suddenly, dick. Oh, well, look at that. Hey. I, I came in cranky, had a sip, and now I'm in a good spot. Yeah, this you're in fun. a good mood. Yeah. yeah so. No, it's all about reflection too, right? Yeah. That's what I'm getting out of that. It's like, yeah, reflect on yourself every now and then. Check the pulse and be like, yeah. All right, I'm being a little bit of a dick today. Now let me try and uh, navigate, you know, get a better baseline going. Uh, but speaking of baseline and music, so like you're a self, self-songwriter, self-singer, and guitar player. What was like the first song you remember just loving to sing? And you're like, man, I'm crushing this song. Uh, man, I, I could see clearly now the rain is gone. Comes yeah. on the radio and you're singing the top of the lungs. You know, I, was really I even sing to that one and I can't sing for shit, man. So good. That's all right. That's what it's all about, right? <laughs> Karaoke is for somebody. Like, yeah. we need it. You know, my, my folks... My folks uh, were very, I was raised very strict Christian, so I could only listen to oldies. And so it was Beach Boys, Beatles, and if like you know, the doors came on, I had to switch the station. And I was like a goody two shoes. Like the doors were too far, apparently. Okay. But it was really funny because a lot of my upbringing was with, you know, multi part harmonies, hearing like the different tracks, pet sounds, all the things that were going on. And then I was raised in like the 90s, so boy bands. And of course, I'm that guy that was like Backstreet Boys in sync, like listen to all of them, listen to all four parts, would practice all four parts. It was annoying. I didn't have many friends <laughs> growing up. But boy, could I sing? Hell could yeah, I? <laughs> yeah. So would you? So so you would? Let me get that right. So you would you would study these boy bands and literally try to like harmonize as all four of them? Yeah. This time let's do Nick. This time let's do AJ. Next time let's do Howie. Don't even act like you guys don't know who I'm talking Dude, about. Which I totally know who. I'm, <laughs> plus, no, I'll be 100 percent real with you. Hey, I grew up in the 90s, so you couldn't okay. avoid boy uh -uh. bands if you wanted Not to. Not at all. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I had a little bit older sister. She's about two oh, years older yeah. than me, a year and a half older than me. Um, so she was all about new kids on the block at uh -huh. first. So it started with that. And then, yeah, Backstreet Boys were right behind and sync. Yeah. 98 Degrees. Yeah, I mean, there was tons of them in the 90s. I will say 98 Degrees was my favorite, mostly because I can't dance either. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so 98 Degrees, man. And that dude could bench press, like, four plates. That's like, right. That, I mean, like, if you're going to, like, oh, yeah, make fun of me for listening to boy bands. If you're going to make fun of a boy band, 98 Degrees was the yeah. last one you were right. picking on, right? Nick, Nick Lachey is going to kick your ass. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, he was a <laughs> he was intense. Uh, but like you said, you know, they didn't really dance while they performed and stuff. What was your first performance that you remember when it was Josh's performance? I know you said you were up on stage as early as four years, but when was that first time you just like said, you know what, I'm going for it? I did. There was a talent show at San Diego Christian College, and I played a song that I had written, and it was called Supermarket Love Affair, and it's about falling in love at the grocery store, because okay. of course, and, and it was such a cheesy, dorky song, and it definitely is not on any albums, thank God now, but that was the first time I was like, people like it, and you start to, wow, people like my originals, like it's really special if you can, you know, bang out an Edwin McCain tune and suddenly like, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, they're crying. Like, oh, you're so good. Yeah. And they request a song. But when you actually play something you wrote 
it was like the high never has gone away. My favorite part of the singer-songwriterness was the songwriter part. And there was something about putting pen to paper of an idea that you had and then getting someone else to buy into it enough to where they're like, dude, let me get that album. I want to buy that album that has always stuck with me. There's always probably going to be this part of me that's like, I just want to get my thoughts out. How do I get you to accept this thought? Um, and, you know, chicks. So when you get broken <laughs> up, you start writing all these songs about chicks. Yeah. And you want to commiserate or get rid of the, you know, sad, depressing, like, you know, I, I need a, a bowl of tomato, you know, soup and a, and a blanket <laughs> and a kitten. And, and now I'm okay. Yeah, there it is. Listening to a Josh Amigo track. And, Hell yeah. And that was kind of my favorite thing in the world was to have someone be like, dude, I love your music. It got me through this. It did that. And that just doesn't go away. So the first one, thank God, uh, there's no recording of it that I can find. But after that, it was definitely like, okay, I got to go do it. Open mics, playing all over. I've got two San Diego Music Awards um, from that were voted on by the you know San Diego Music Academy that I'm very proud of. And it was such a big part of my world of not only just you know writing the music, producing the music, playing it on stage, but then also running the business in the background. You know, I was the guy that basically lied about having a manager. Like I literally You're the triple would, threat, man. You did it all. myself, right? Yeah. And like because they didn't want to talk to the nice artists. They wanted the artists to play the music. So you kind of yeah. you know made up a dick persona and then that, you know, your email Matt send Hey, I want to have Josh Domingo play at this place. And you like, want him there, yeah. I got double booked in Sacramento and the guy's like, dude, your manager's a dick and he totally messed up. <laughs> and you have to look the guy straight in the eye and be like, Yeah, I know, dude, he's awful. <laughs> I'm I hate that. So I can't sorry. stand that guy, but he's, he's good. Worse. I'm so sorry that he double booked me. <laughs> yeah, it's my fault. Guy's but, got a problem. Yeah, that was that was like the joy of my world was actually making it work. Um, I still remember that first uh, royalty check. I mean, like that was the. I thought that was the world. And I got tell this, me about it. When'd you get it? Uh, two years in, I had studied the the background, right? Because uh, boy, at some point we could diagram a song and and how when it gets played by by Mambo, like how much like royalty comes back and how it works, but. In the end, after I finished kind of getting my royalties all set up with a, a, a performing rights organization called CSAC, um, they basically pay you for the songwriting and the producing of the of the record. And so you get the first check, and it's eight grand, and you're like, oh, dude, I'm balling. Hell yeah, man. That's me? a nice check. I work at Starbucks, man. Like, yeah. this is great. And then you get the second check for the same amount because you own your own copyright you own your own rights and then it's 16 grand i'm buying a motorcycle <laughs> so i went and bought my motorcycle its name is royalty and that was the last big check i got and it's a really cool 48 2013 thank you for asking yeah hey hey <laughs> dude but that is that is tight and it's cool that you got both checks you know doing it your own way i mean like that that's a true indie artist right there i mean to the bones i don't know what you know about music but i'm, I'm guessing based on your boy band love that you are clearly a you love good music i'm a music fanatic buddy holly if you ever go and research like what he did for music he was the original indie artist the original indie record label he did it all himself i can believe that and died untimely uh from like we all know la bamba uh -huh. like went down the plane you know and and honestly that dude when you look at his life and how he revolutionized not just the music industry but also his own career and called his own shots and sang the songs he wanted to sing uh. you learn so much about like the resilience that it takes to actually not just play music but be a musician that can say, I get paid to do this for a living. Like yeah, that's, yeah. it's, it's, it's baller. I think Super it's, cool. I, yeah. And I think it's tough. I mean, and yeah, I, I give you nothing but props and respect because I, I, I am a music fanatic, but I'm an even bigger sports fanatic. Okay. And that, I feel like that they kind of like their circles kind of cross over, right? Because then you think of like athletes, right? They're supposed to have an agent. You're not supposed to negotiate your own mm -hmm. contract. You're not supposed to play without a contract. You don't want to, that's too risky. What if you get hurt? You know, they're constantly telling you to do the way the industry does because that's how the upper guys stay in control. So, you know, you know, to break that mold, you know, I mean, I, I, I respect that. So that's really yeah. cool that you went for that. Imagine, imagine like a sports star. What, what sports are you, what are your, what are ah, football is my, you football. know, American, you know, football, yeah, you football. know, but yeah. But. American football. So you find really quickly, like, you know, that football player that's negotiating his own deal is going to yeah. leave money on the table, right? Like, mm -hmm they don't necessarily know. So during my master's degree, I was like, well, I want to know what the label knows. Like I want to walk into a label and be like, okay, you know, this cool. That's great. I know this and I can show you markets because that was the time of, you know, you started to get more indie bands that were kind of getting prominence. You started to hear 
you know, major labels actually talk bad about themselves. You hear the, you know, the hip hop talking about, hey, they're going to give me 8% of my entire everything I'm doing. Yeah. You know, and, and you find really quickly there's so much music. It was so available to everybody once you got Pro Tools, once you got all these different ways that you could record that you started to see it became not very novel to be a songwriter or a singer. And then everybody now can go on, you know, YouTube or Instagram or TikTok yeah. and do a little dance and suddenly they blow up. But it's like, it's, it's been this giant leveler to actually make money doing it takes a hell of a lot more thought. It takes a lot more, um, you know, idea of who you are as an artist, as a brand of influencers. They go through classes of how they are the product. And most musicians are just happy to play. I just didn't have that thing. Like I had more interest than just that. Uh, talking sports, I played college soccer. That was my life. ACL, MCL, meniscus tear. Damn. I am a musician. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You switch, switch paths. You switch paths. Yeah, yeah it was so quick. So it's fun. Yeah. So that's yeah. And 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 like I said, like there's there's circles kind of kind of yeah. crossover, right? Because it's it's that entertainment part where you're doing it for somebody else, you know? So that's what yeah. I think is cool. And that's probably where you really got that buzz. Like you said, the first time they liked your original songs, where were some of the favorite places for you to play in San Diego? I mean, there's tons of dope, cool little spots down in San Diego. If Josh can go back and play one show right now in Dago, where is he going? Lestats. Lestats? Uh, Adams Avenue, uh, North Park. Okay. Uh, Jason Mraz got his bump there. That's kind of where he started. I got on the wall. It was the wall of fame. Hell yeah. And that was my, I played there once a month. We played the Josh D'Amigo Friends uh, uh, with benefits show uh, <laughs> nice. and uh, the marketing for it was uh, everyone wants a meaningful one night stand Hell yeah. <laughs> meaningful one night stand and it was just kind of that one night the second Saturday of every month we had this big concert and then I would bring out a, a few bands and uh, getting on the wall of fame right under Jason was kind of a cool like you know Jason got a little yeah. and he's got like the little like hat and then there's me going like yeah what's up right and that was the that was yeah. the dream that was my whole if, if I had to say, hey, what do you want to do with your music career? Get on the wall of fame at Lestats. Hell and that yeah. Was, that you was got it. it. So I got lucky enough to do the, you know, Padres. I, I sing the national anthem for the Padres and Red no Sox. Shit. That was oh, a big dude, that is dope. Yeah, uh, good for yeah, you, man. Nice. My family's from uh, Maine, and so I'm a big Red Sox Red guy that, myself. That's what you got up there, so yeah. So Big Poppy, you know, sitting there for, you know, all these players, and you're like playing a banjo and singing the national anthem, and you're like, dude. whoa, this is the coolest. <laughs> that gives me chills thinking about it, dude, just because, like, I, you know, I'm a big national anthem guy okay. right? I really all right. I really respect it you know and you know I know there's a, all kinds of controversial around it like I'm sure there always has been even sure. before my time and after I'm gone whatever but I like it dude so like for me that would be like an amazing moment so I can only imagine how you felt that would be like me getting to sing in front of the Mets dude I probably would be passing <laughs> yeah. out of like nervousness like would you, you do know? it if they asked you oh I would I would give it a try fuck yeah dude <laughs> I don't care if I completely embarrass myself and then I'll blow up I'll be I'll be popular oh, dude like if I, if I completely tank it you know as long as I don't mess the words up <laughs> you know, as long as I say the words right, you know, it's like I'll, I'll get famous just for singing right. terribly. It's like so. a bell curve, right? Yeah. If you suck enough, it's incredible. Like, right? Well, now it doesn't like, matter yeah. if you suck or not. It's totally. like yeah. it's like 50 cents first throw for the Mets that one game. It's terrible. Right. Oh, yeah. Pegged it right into the ground. It's you know? still, goes, it's, it's it's still, still going viral. It's still out there, you know? So <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'd go for it. You know, on that, I have to tell you the story. I, I did the, the Lakers, Lakers-Bulls. Okay. And it was, it was super fun to do it, but... Lakers is indoor and it's different. And, and Mamba, you'll get this. You have monitors. Mm -hmm. and, and right now I can hear you guys through my headphones, but I didn't have in-ears. And I'm about to sing the national anthem. I'm not playing guitar because I had broken my wrist or something. And so a buddy's playing for me. And you really feel it. Like you can feel the the vibrations and it helps with the the vocals. And I don't know how to explain that. And I'm sure there's a science that someone who's I'm sure the timing it. of them too, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 all yeah. that. But my buddy was a, a Bulls fan. And I knew like this was, dude, this is a gift I can never give somebody like yeah. ever. So yeah. he got up and played with me and I couldn't hear the guitar. And so I'm singing the national anthem, can't hear the guitar. On top of that, I'm hearing that echo. So I'm oh, going, yeah. oh, yeah. say, and you don't hear it. And then all of a sudden you hear it while you're singing. Uh, nah, nah, nah. Uh. You hear it, it, you're coming back at yourself, but a second before you. And so you're, you're playing with this Throws echo, you off, yeah. trying to throw you off. It's like <laughs> you're moving around this and then someone barks. In the in the audits, like it's quiet, right? Meta World Peace is there, you know. Black Mamba's there. Everybody's there doing the the whole thing. Oh my god, up. it's gotta be and so then intense. I freaked out. I blacked out. And there's a video of it on YouTube somewhere where you can find it, and you can actually see me. Like I didn't miss any words, but I don't remember anything from the Rockets' red glare on. And you just crushed it. And well, I don't know about crushed it, but we definitely <laughs> got through it. And we, I remember walking back, and I saw Kobe. 
and Kobe was over there. He was like kind of getting the Mamba mentality. He had his tool. I didn't know any of that stuff was at the time. I go, go get a Mamba. And he just looked at me like I was the biggest asshole. Like, dude, what are you doing? You're the national anthem singer. Why are you talking to me? Yeah. Get out of here, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, the guitar players over hanging out with Meta World Peace, like yes. Ron Artest and uh, what, who, the, who's Superman? Um, uh, Dwight, Dwight Howard. Howard. So Dwight, it was the Dwight years. Okay. They're all talking to him. They're all like, hey, bro, you guys yeah, killed it. Yeah, and so here's cool. me going for Kobe. And he's like, just like, nope. <laughs> nah, bro. Nope. I'm in the zone. <laughs> nope. And I, I don't I don't even feel bad. Like, yeah. I was like, hey, knowing what I know Kobe now, wouldn't feel bad either. So, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He doesn't he didn't even, like, remember me probably like in the end but like that was like one of the moments where you're just like this is greatness i gotta feel it and oh my god they have a buffet i mean i know that i'm telling this whole story but to go back to the buffet that they give you before you the national anthem <laughs> they had fish to, like they had, they had like uh, lobster they had everything oh, you think dude. of uh from pancakes to wow i mean it was it was crazy Full spread. <laughs> yeah it was if i could do one thing again it would be to sing for the lakers and get that breakfast yeah again. That was oh yeah man i bet dude like to me to me like being a sports guy i think also gives like another allure and then a veteran and stuff so there's a lot of like ties mm-hmm. that i have to that song so those moments you know i always respect them i never even dreamed of actually actually doing them so for you to be on the court in the staples center during like kobe years dude i could only, i can only imagine how do you come up with an opera i'm just curious how do you get an opportunity like that how do you get approached for singing the national anthem yeah it's a good question you you send out an inquiry right like you'll that you'll generally, manager of yours yeah that fake manager <laughs> sends an email you know it's, it's kind of a, a matter of you like i just sent an inquiry yesterday you find out who the right person is um, my organ player uh, on my record is the organ player for the San Diego Padres. And I said, hey, dude, uh, I just emailed my contact from eight years ago, right? And she's no longer there. It's like the talent coordinator. And then you send, hey, my name is this and this. Here are my achievements. Kind of get to the point. What do I want? Wanted to see if you have any national anthems open this year. Um, here's a recording of me singing it uh, live at a stadium. Uh, looking forward to you know what you think. Then you wait and you get in some sort of like, list i don't know how they do it but they kind of look through it okay and then every year you just kind of put your name back in to see what happens and you get the luck of the draw there's so many talented people that do it but if you get the right name 10 like it's you know it's all about who you know in the end so yeah that's pretty much it and so the right email at the right time to the right person bam i'm telling a story on the persistence culture so yes (laughs) i like it i like it i like it and national anthem super dope song but, of course, it wouldn't be right of me to do this show and not listen to your songs. So I've been listening to your songs. I've been listening to your music. I couldn't find the supermarket song, which I'm pretty disappointed <laughs> in now. Because as soon as you said it, I was like, damn, how did I not come across that one? Uh, but Raw seems to be your most popular album. Yeah, that one killed it. That one was the one that Pocket Change was the song that kind of never. I, I've heard it. I've I heard couldn't, it. I couldn't write another Pocket Change kind of a thing. It was a good one, dude. It was really cool, man. I, I, I love the lyrics. Hey, I'm a lyric guy. Okay. So I'm, I'm big on lyrics, but obviously your vocals are incredible too. So I think it's a really cool song. Oh, thank you, man. You know, that was the one that kind of opened it up and, and it, people just wanted to hear that song about a struggling artist on the side of the road. And it's kind of a true story. I mean, there's, you know, a little bit of fables there, but I was, I remember I was li- living right off second and Broadway in El Cajon. El Cajon, baby. And, and I needed some money for the bus and I needed 18 cents. And I, I pulled my guitar out and played a couple tunes and had a, a few more cents than 18. But nice. It was kind of a fun, like, okay, that's kind of cool. And it was Inspired by, you remember Sean Mullins? Everything's gonna be all right. Yeah. Rockabye, mm-hmm. like the, mm-hmm. whatever the, and that one, the kind of talky, singy, kind of like it's not rap, but it's not singing. But yeah, it's, yeah. And that was kind of the vibe, uh, kind of the, when I was doing it, and it, it really resonated as a story versus a song in some cases. And then, you know, that was the one that it always just kind of came back to was that song. So yeah, yeah it, I, I spent my entire career trying to write a, like, a well, sequel. <laughs> I think you're doing, I think you're doing a pretty good job, honestly. And it's cool like that you said that, that, that word vibe that caught my ear because when I listened to your music, I thought there was like a vibe to it. And there it was like a fun vibe, dude. Like to me, the favorite song that I listened to pocket change was cool, but I really liked the sugar song with, I think you featured Rob, with Rob D's D's. on it. Yeah. We were going back and forth today on Instagram on some story and I misspelled something and we just, we play puns on off each other that guy is the most fun and he will he, i could feel the fun you guys were having through that recording when you made it bro like seriously like I, I like started smiling while i was listening to music which i think is a good thing i walk in sports coat you know dress shoes you know, it, you know I'm, I'm all high and tight and that guy and i had a hip-hop band and it was called the big time mega show and we did like shows with jason mraz and a bunch of people where we just freestyle rap for like you know, five, six minutes in a song called Unexpected Subject. You hear it, you will love it. The unexpected subject. My belly, you can rub it. And then the crowd would basically yell out a word. 
and I'd do the chords, and Rob would hip-hop, he'd do the rap, and then I'd do a couple bars, and then would go back to him. And we got our chops just playing, you know, San Diego, you know, goofing off, telling stories, and <laughs> that yeah. was it. I, I used to say, you know, you come to a Josh D'Amigo show, you're going to hear music eventually after I finish telling a story. But it's mostly like I play three songs and tell 60 stories, and then, oh, that was an hour. Hey, good to see you guys. See you later. <laughs> Hope you had fun. Yeah. yeah, and that's how uh, uh, Mambo, I met our mutual friend Spencer. Yeah. Uh, I went to Santa Barbara. And he was at KJEE at the time. I use a loop pedal, kind of like what Ed Sheeran does, but beatboxing and some of that stuff. And he got me to do it live on the air at that radio station at the time. And it was like I had one earphone here, one earphone here. Jimmy rigged it. And he goes, hey, can you can you do that live on the air? I was like, I think I can, but I got to get back to San Diego. I don't got any money. I'm broke. And he's like, you can sleep at my house. And that was like, <laughs> that's radio, right? Like, yep. you know those stories. Like, and, and that's how, and I loved radio. I worked at, uh, um, not, um, in San Diego, I worked at Cool 99.3, which is the oldie station. And uh, it was a country radio station down there, which was not cool in San Diego, but it's super <laughs> cool in Ventura. But it was so fun because I got my chops and I always wanted to kind of do that DJ thing that you guys do because right. it's, it's so powerful to connect with people drive time, you know, do all those things. And then, oh, yeah, and here's a little song. And so my way to get on the radio, I think, was to do the music. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get you on the radio. And then I could just goof off with a bunch of jocks and they're like <laughs> super fun personalities. So, Hell, yeah. yeah. It was good. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. I can, so. I can feel those. I can feel those kind of vibes in that song. It, it, it resonated with me. And the hook, dude, I think the hook, like the way that all of a sudden you tie into that sugar hook, bro, like you crush it. To me, that one should have the most likes on Spotify. Give me some of that sugar. Did you get the Cougar? Did you get the Cougar? I didn't play that one. No, about, I didn't get that one. It's, uh, you know, we were we, we joked around. It's not as funny anymore when you're balding and you're, you know, you're hitting 40. <laughs> but, but back in the day, we used to say, you know, hey, my name is Cougar Food. And if anybody is available today, I want to just make sure that you know, if you're listening right now on this podcast, you, I want to give you the secret to life. Marry rich. You can do anything you want if you marry rich. And so we would constantly be like, all right, so we're going to go ahead and stop. Are there any women in the audience that are have money? Right? Just straight up. And then like, How would that go over? Good to meet you. Hi, my name is Josh. What are you, cougar food. We had we had shirts. I have a shirt that says, you know, Josh Amigo Cougar University, right? Like, And it was so fun because it was just like, you know, goofing off. And then I got older and now it's Saber 2 Tigers. And so I'm, if any Saber 2 Tigers are listening to Persistence Culture, I am available. Kibble and bits. Let's go. And they have to have some cash too. That's, that doesn't help. It's, if, that helps. If, yeah. If, if you don't have cash, if you don't got no money, take your broke ass <laughs> oh, hey. It's insane. <laughs> well before this, you know, we're not, we're not the first ones, but you know, I also want to touch base while we're, while we're talking about your music career. Like, how did you end up going on that first tour? Like you said, you tore, you got to tour the country. How do you get an opportunity like that? How was it presented to you? You know, it, it, there's, there's two ways, right? The one is that you get that lucky break and the other one is you, you make it happen. Right. And I think that kind of goes with your guys's, you know, mantra, uh, persistence culture. Yeah. Like I was going to make it happen. There was, I'm going to do it. So if I had family, I'm in San Diego, I have family in Maine. If I want to go visit them, man, I could probably hit a bunch of major cities and then do a little tour. And then it's a matter of like, okay, so you craft out where you're going to play. Um, the most important thing for artists to remember is the mu the music really doesn't matter. I know that sucks, but like <laughs> it doesn't matter how good you are. It matters how many butts you can put in the seats. Yeah, oh mm -hmm. yeah. And if you can't put butts in the seats, but you can sing, it don't, they, the venue does not give a shit. They're, they're like, dude, we don't care. Yeah. So how many people can you get and being realistic and honest with them? Hey, this is my first time. I've never played your city before. Is there any chance I can get an opening slot with a more established artist? You approach them the right way and you get more opportunities. So I would play little coffee shops. And then in Denver, Colorado, I got a show at a bigger venue. They put me on in front of somebody else. But it just so happened that I'd just gotten on Pandora. And this sect, in if you were living in Denver and you liked... Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the band like Modest Mouse and some of those indie alternative bands. Josh D'Amigo somehow got in your algorithm. Oh, nice! They would get you an algorithm. And there I had it like is. 90 people at the show, and they're like, "Oh my god, we love you!" And I'm like, "I've never been to Denver. <laughs> it's really hard to sing up here. Like, holy smokes, I can barely breathe." And yeah. why you guys are all like, Denver is the most in shape city 1, in America. Without they're even all, trying, bro. Like this abs, is what, these yeah. little children come out of the womb like <laughs> just straight yeah. eight pack, right? Yeah. <laughs> And so then just doing all these little cities all the way up and then all the way back. 
And, you know, I had a uh, incident. My brother got arrested for something, and he was out in Sayre, Oklahoma. Uh, for-profit prisons are a, a terrible thing. If you ever need research on that, I got all, the, all that for you. And so he got moved to Sayre, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and so I would take my tours and move them through the small little uh, city that was built for a prison uh, in Oklahoma, stop and see him, and then finish the tour, and then kind of go back around. And so it became a, a maybe once a summer I'd probably uh, – I think I did it three times. What year was this? I basically did it. 2013 okay. uh, was the last one. And then t- 2010 uh, was the first one, I believe. So so, so the 2010 was probably uh, the beginning of, of a lot of social media stuff versus 2013 when social media was out there. Because it's hard to set up a tour when there was uh, no social media. Yeah, you're right. MySpace is where I started music. Yeah. Actually, how I found Ventura, you guys will love this story. I had my MySpace at college. In 2006, I made a MySpace. And there was a small little shop right across the street from Cafe, um, uh, what is it, it on, on California in Maine. There's a, there was a Cafe Bella was a little um, winery. In fact, the guy who uh, you guys are probably going to have on that has Piranos, it was one of his spots and he was the first one to get Ventura to have seats outside on the sidewalk and they had just approved it. And I played at this little winery. They saw me on MySpace and said, we love your stuff. We'd love you to come play in Ventura. This is like 06. Oh, I'm like, Oh cool. I'll this is like there. three years before your debut album. Yeah, even. Right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like, dude, let's do it. I'm, I can't wait. Let's do it. I'm booked. Like, let's go 75 bucks is what they paid me for, for two hours of music. And I'm like, sweet. Can't wait. See you tomorrow. Right? Like kind of like, couldn't wait. Hell yeah. Get in the car, type it in the Garmin, right? You remember those? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Type it in the Garmin. I'm like, oh, dude, it's three and a half hours away. <laughs> like, I had no clue what a Ventura was or where it was going. Thank yeah. goodness I didn't start an Oxnard. I yeah. would have had no clue what I was doing, right? So I, I get up here. I play the show. Nobody cares. I, I finish the show. <laughs> I get back in my car, drive back home, and I get back to sleep with this big shit-eating grin on my face because I played music and someone paid me. Yeah. And that, yeah. was, that was how I met Ventura. Then I got into the Zoe's crowd and started playing Zoe's on my tour. And Zoe's like a little singer-songwriter spot. And then I was like, one day I'm going to live here. One day I'm going to live here. I got the opportunity in 2015 with Guitar Center Corporate. I moved out here. I was the national manager of in-store experience for lessons. Oh, cool. My entire job was to make it. You guys both have kids? Yeah, I have six and four right now. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you love your child. I do. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, you, you probably want them in safe situations. 100%. You ever been to a guitar center? I actually have been to a guitar center, um, but not like since I've had kids. I actually. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. kids do not belong in a guitar center with those tattooed <laughs> heroin addict looking, you know, you know, salespeople. Right. I don't get that picture, but okay. I'm sure some right. people do. Fair enough. I'm well, sure some people do. I'll tell you around the country, 188 stores. I have to convince you and your wife that your kids are safe in our lessons location. Um, and the our, and the guy comes out and he's all tatted and he's smoking outside and he goes, hey, you need a guitar today? Hey, go ask for Jim, right? And I'm like, oh, dude, could you not say that to the mom with the kids? Could you say it? like, <laughs> so it was really like, how do you feel when you walk into the guitar center lessons location? How does it make you feel? And so I I took. Like every single one had a lounge for the moms with a Keurig machine. Oh, they boom. You're crushing it. Get the moms, dude. Get that's what moms. you got to do. And so that was it. And so that was, that was my whole, that's I, when they said that they said, you need to find a place in Los Angeles. And if you listen to music long enough, I hate LA. I'm not a fan. I am a Ventura guy. You right. call this LA County. Anytime I see a billboard that says LA County, I'm like, get out of here. You don't know who you're talking about. You're not yeah. getting any calls from here. It's not an 805 number. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's right. Uh, and I got to Ventura from a small part, North Park. And I tell everybody North Park, San Diego is pretty much Ventura proper, like straight up. Like that's, it's blue collar. You tell people, Hey, I don't like you cool. And you move on, right? Like that's, and that's how this town is for me. So that's, that's how I fell in love with this place. That's how I moved here. Uh, but it all came back from that MySpace days going back to, you had a Facebook, you didn't really have much other ones. So it was really about how many followers you had on your Facebook, on your, on your page. And it like, if you could like get them to move. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I think that's where, why I have the career I have now. How do you make people move? How do you, uh, the definition of power is basically the the concept of of getting everyone moving in the same direction. If I get 30 people with green t-shirts at a city council meeting, that city council member is probably going to vote the way that the green t-shirts are. Mm. So concentrated effort, concentrated power, if you can get that going, you can move things. 
And that's the thing I think most artists get wrong is they don't know how to kind of mobilize their people and have them move. Why, why is, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, why is Rico Mambo the best show? Because you guys mobilize people. People show up when they say this is going to happen. Boom. Everybody's there because you guys are able to mobilize your listeners to actually move in a uh, concentrated direction. I, th I think certain artists got it with social media because you found out where your fan base was at. Yeah. So you kind of toured and set up shows where they were at versus uh, I know a lot of artists who's, who were struggling before social media, but then they figured it out. And till this day, you know, they've been doing those tours and sell out everywhere every time they go there You're so right and and the way to if i if i had to go back and tell my younger self hey suck it up buttercup this is how you need to do it it's not even like i would say hey i'm playing in chicago i know you live three hours away um but that's a lot closer than san diego would you be open to coming you know from naperville to chicago rather than that you can make so much more money if you just play back house shows mm -hmm. if you just play hey can i come i know you keep telling me i need to come play in atlanta could I play a house concert for you and you like invite 30 friends and then we just do tips? Would that be something to be open to? But I had this ego in which I like, I needed a stage. I needed you a wanted sound a city. Guy. You wanted, wanted to be in a yeah, spot. Yeah. yeah I yeah. wanted to be found. I wanted yeah. to make it. But yeah. what you find really quickly is it's become like this guerrilla warfare tactic version of how the music industry can work. And the people that do the best are the ones that are willing to like, you don't have to make uh, the gold record or, or make the Grammys or win awards, as long as you're making uh, your ends meet, as long as you're making that, hey, I know that this year I need to make 80K, that means I need to do this many house concerts, and that means if I'm traveling and doing, the, and, you know, and diesel's going up, gas is going up, you start to think about all those finances, how you're going to do it, what you find really quickly is the people that are happy and they have those fans that will open up their homes, bring those people out that'll support them, dude, you'll get more in tips than you'll get in record sales any day as a, as a struggling beginning artist because yeah. people just want to believe in music and support that. I, see, solid a, pro I, tip right I there. see a lot of artists uh, make a killing in, in their merch more than what they yeah. would do uh, from the show or, you know, the merch kills it for them and that's what, how they make their money. I'm thinking about Young Quicks and I'm sure... You Young know, Quicks like, is, is one yeah. that so he is and out I, there hustling. He yeah. and I have played a, a few times together we're, but we're, I mean, like, you wouldn't believe we're boys but we were boys and it's so <laughs> funny because, like, that guy hustles so hard but having multiple revenue streams, getting paid to play the show, getting paid for the ticket sales, getting paid for the royalties for playing the show, getting paid for your merch, getting paid for the CDs, getting paid for the streams, and balancing all of them out is the only way to do it. Anybody that focuses on one too far tends to like overdo it on that one, just like if you're working out or you're doing too much on one muscle group. I currently have a shoulder problem because I like chest day more than I like back day. Yeah. And boy, that'll <laughs> do it, right? But what you find is when, you, when you're able to diversify your portfolio, regardless of the industry, you have multiple, and if, hey, we need to pay a little attention over here, we get more money there. We pay a little attention over here, you get more money there. And so it really is a matter of, do you have all of these things set up? Are you pricing up the right place? Because when it comes down to it, it really comes down to the, the art and then also what you do with it. And what you do with it sometimes is more important than how good the music is. Yeah. And it's, boy, yeah. as a purist, it's yeah. very frustrating, especially That's, if you really like yeah. music. <laughs> no, well, that makes sense. I mean, it's all about those multiple revenue streams too. And like you said, that could be more important than the musician. And like while, while we're on the topic of Young Quicks, I just want to say he is one of the best fucking lyricists I've heard in a long time. Like I, I really, I really dig his music. Like I, I, he's been one of my like. I found him super random on Instagram, and yeah. like he instantly became one of my favorite artists. I don't know if I ever would have found him so. a different way other than Instagram. Yeah. So that's where like the whole social media, the yeah. different revenue streams, all that shit really ties together and makes a huge difference. Well, and he doesn't, he doesn't get, dude. If anybody needs a persistence culture tattoo, it's that kid. Hell yeah. <laughs> he, I've never seen anybody like, and he does not, he's not ashamed to self-promote, right? No, That's another uh -uh. thing is so many artists don't want to. Like they're like, oh, someone else to do it for me. I don't really want to hire a myself. social media person no, and other shit. Yeah. <laughs> Be your own biggest fan. That's yeah. the biggest dude. Why Q? I yeah. can't get that out of my head half the time, right? <laughs> the, root of evil. Root of evil. You already know. Like that dude is so fun. Yeah. And, it, and it's because like, not only is he a nice guy, he also hustles. Mm -hmm. And then he gets up on the stage and like you know he gets up on the stage and owns it yeah. like owns it and it's it's some one of the most fun things about the local music industry and like what who i've been connected to and who i've been able to meet is is kind of that local ventura oxnard 805 sound that is just so unique and that kid is like 
the, I mean, we've got um, Anderson Pock. We've got all these things that popping up. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Kyle, Super Duper Kyle. You know, yeah. like, we've got this cool little hip-hop thing. Where are you from? Oxnard? Yeah. What's that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, where is like, that? Where yeah. is that? Uh, it's a... Uh, L.A. Yeah. No. Nah, I've not. noticed. I've noticed. Uh. Uh. Well. W- you know. Kyle always rep Ventura, yeah. and then uh. Uh. uh Anderson Pag had his uh, Oxnard and Ventura album. And Malibu, and yeah. like he did the whole up and down. Yeah. So when I noticed uh other artists coming to interview with us, uh, it's kind of like they they their first thing was like, oh, Oxnard's here. Where's uh, Where's Anderson Pag? Like he made that connection with music because. Oxnard's been on the map for for boxing. Oh, and, a long time. Yeah. yeah. So so to see it happen in music is uh, it's so dope to see these Super big cool. names now say like, oh, this is where Oxnard's at. Yeah. 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 Well, that Santa Barbara is Kenny Rogers town, right? Like like yeah. Danger Zone, right? Like I I had the opportunity to interview a, a cat named Mark Brassard on the radio in Santa Barbara with a guy by the name of uh, Matt Stone, who was at um, the cruise back in the day. Uh, Not the new one. Don't listen to that one. But what was really fun about the old cruise in Santa Barbara was like, like he would have these artists on. You have Todowit Sprocket and you've got a lot of like, um, um, not Dishwalla. And like, they had like this rock scene that was coming out of Santa Barbara back in like the nineties. And, uh, but you always, it goes back to, you know, danger zone, how would it yeah. the danger zone? And he couldn't stop. He's like, Hey, is Kenny Loggins listening? Like Loggins was seeing it. Like you had all this Santa Barbara, right. And to see Ventura come up and have its own thing is yeah. like, you know, we've always kind of been the like ugly little brother to yeah. them. And it's nice to be like, Hey, what have you guys done lately? Like yeah. your hip hop scene sucks. Yeah. Oxnard. thousand thousand percent thousand percent and what i'm catching from you a lot is music and business right so now you've transitioned to the business world of things and having that type of mindset tell me about that transition when did you start to really transition from musician to becoming you know where you're at now client manager at influential you and and tell me about that yeah so it's you know it's funny right client manager doesn't sound too sexy but um i'm in charge of a about 200 clients around the world for influential you we teach um philosophy business so you know what how do you people right like a lot i I was trying to explain to my ceo today about you guys and i was like well you know what they do for like you know if you took all of the stuff we did and put it in a gym that's persistence culture like they do their lifestyle they're all the stuff it's like not just about the gym the workout it's also about the lifestyle of someone who is fit and does the thing, right? And so what we talk about a lot is um, the environments we put ourselves in. How as a human being do I make work work for me? And so I get to kind of move in a way where I get to teach a program that I'm super passionate about that is kind of like an MBA 3.0. It's like I work with some of the smartest people that are looking to do a skill set of you know, leadership nowadays is like we call a shot and then we like say we had a lot of fun along the way and we don't ever hit that shot. Well, in business, it's what's sexy is like, here's where we're going. We're going to hit this stock price and you hit it year over year. You know, every time I hit a goal, I hit it. What does that look like philosophically? If I look at a plan, how do I build a plan in which it's going to go because I planned it out? What I did in the music industry to what I do now is really I'm, I'm speaking, I'm doing everything I did over there, but now I don't have a guitar. Now I have a script, right? Now I'm like meeting business people. Hey, this is how you do it. Because in the end, selling a, a single in music is really not different than selling a gym membership, not different than getting someone to pass you the salt. And the process of, of getting someone to like pass you the salt is really not much different than opening up a burger franchise, Purchasing a, a Starbucks drink is not different than opening up a Starbucks. And yeah, one's more complicated than the other. But that process with humans, how do you get someone to follow with you or go with you? If you can get compliance, if you can ethically influence them or maybe even unethically influence them, the further they go with you, the better you're going to do. And as we all know in business, if you have to continue to get new customers, it's kind of hard. But when you keep a customer happy and you keep them going with you, Sustain that relationship, yeah. Just so I, I get to use kind of all of that stuff. The same, you know, methods that I used working with my fans, making sure they felt seen and heard at concerts, making sure that they got the new albums when they came out, making sure all of this stuff is the same stuff I do now, but I'm helping a demographic that is generally entrepreneurs, CEO, mid-level, you know, managers, salespeople, people that constantly need to get compliance. And if you work with people, 
human beings, you have to get compliance. You know, at some point yeah. we're all going to run into millennials and we don't do things just because <laughs> you are the CEO, sir. We yeah. don't care about your title. Yeah. So I work in kind of the peopling element of a plan. Most plans don't, in, you know, I hit send on the computer and it gets done. No, you also have to work with that person. You have to tell them why, or maybe you have to explain it or get them to really get that. So that's kind of the intersection I've found, but a lot of it came from my peopling skills in the music industry. It's probably, it's like the craziest kind of easy transition, but my master's degree was in organizational development, which is what all the guys that suck at math do when they go get, a, get an MBA. Cause <laughs> they're like, Dude, math for is hard. <laughs> math is hard. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan of people and what I get to do now is teach people how to work with others. That's dope. Yeah. And I, I don't think you could have laid it out any better. Like really how you kind of gave the analogy to how you did with your fan club to the way that you do with the clients and, and the people that you're working with in business. It, it makes a hundred percent. And then I love that analogy you just said about the Starbucks. Like, yeah, you can either own a Starbucks or you can go to Starbucks and buy your drink. Both of them can happen. One of them is a difficult path. I think you posted something pretty recently about like obstacles being the path. Yeah. That's a thousand percent. I mean, nothing, nothing is going to be easy, you know, and it's just like me and Mambo know, even with this show, you know, really the path of this podcast has been the obstacles we've come across as we came up, you know, it's like, yeah, we're, and we're 112 now, like this is 112, right. I, just for the record, <laughs> Dude, I looked yeah. at what number Hell I was going to yeah. be, 112 is like a, a number that keeps coming up in my world, and I was like, hey, I'm not a numerologist, but dude, yeah. that's pretty crazy. 112 is a good number. And what you find is, right, it's, it's, you can do it for a long, like, there's a, I'm a big fan of podcasts. And one of my favorite podcasts is Malcolm Gladwell. He has one called Revisionist History. Okay. And he talks about the two types of genius. There's really two types. There's the inspiration genius. It's the achy, breaky heart, right? He wrote that song in five minutes and it became a massive hit, right? And then there's the hardworking Leonard Cohen writing Hallelujah. If you don't know, there's a hundred verses to that song. Jeez. And Leonard Cohen never got popular with Hallelujah. Jeff Buckley sings Leonard Cohen's song, dies in the Mississippi River. That song blows up, and now Leonard Cohen, everybody knows Leonard Cohen. It's Well, that's the work hard over and over. That's the persistence culture. Not yep. all of us are going to get lucky enough to just get it the first time. Nope. Some of us got to grind it out and work it out and make it work and reinvent and reassess. And what you find really quickly is, is the spoils you know, go to the people that are going to work harder for it. Anything worth doing well you know, is, is, is hard. And what you find on podcasts or anything, it's really how do we mobilize our thing? How do we think it through from start? to finish from what's my aim to how do we reinvent because we just got that thing we were aiming for and that's kind of what we study hey here's your plan here's the strategies to get there here are the tactics that your tactic is an articulation of a thing you're about to do it's not yeah. a thing and at eight o'clock i'm going to call this person and then the implementation of that and when you think about that and then you insert the people part man anything worth doing you're going to need a lot of people so how do you get people and that's kind of how we operate and what we, what we talk Find about. Find out how to get do. those people. Yeah. And that, those obstacles, right? Like, that is the path. Like, hey, don't look at that and focus on that thing and get worried. You know, I bursitis and tendinosis in my shoulder. I probably could be back earlier, but I wanted to do something else, right? And I didn't think I could. And now it's just like grinding it out and pushing through the pain because that's what you have to do. You know, I'm not a doctor. Don't listen to me if you have bursitis. <laughs> but, you know, I through the pain, baby. A year and a half Ignore later, it. a year and a half later, a marathon later, like I went and ran a marathon because I didn't want to work on my shoulder, right? I did all full the, marathon. A full marathon. That's gnarly. Ventura Marathon is all downhill. You get, ice, you get roller skates, dude. You don't have to worry about <laughs> Is that the it's Ohio? Really you start up in yeah. Ohio and come down? Yeah. I highly recommend that for anybody okay. that's doing okay. that. But I, you know, I did all these things and then I, I ignored the thing that really mattered to me. And that was, you know, getting in the gym, doing the lifting weights. And it was really hard to find myself, you know, 2021, I didn't miss a single day in my workouts. My diet was really good. Everything was going the way I wanted. I have that injury. I still finished my workouts, getting on the bike and doing my time. But at the same time, like it just never really, I never went back to go see how can I fix that? How can I do that? Yeah. And that's a, a breakdown that needed a solution. And finally I get the right girlfriend that goes, Hey, stop complaining, go see a physical therapist. Okay, cool. And I, you know, then you're moving on. So how, how do you call that shot and hit it? Whether it's with your health, your money, uh, your life, your work, your career, the way you're known. And then how do you mobilize your fans to move with you? Because if we're going to do it, we're going to need a bunch of people to help us. Nobody is an Island. No man is an Island. We need all of the help we can get. And yet that's the last thing most human beings want to do is ask for help. 
Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah, a lot of people shy away from asking for the help. I'm dealing with that with my children right now. Nine times out of ten that they get themselves in trouble is because they refuse to ask for help. You know, they'd rather just battle each other out, <laughs> royal rumble at it until everybody's crying and screaming instead of just coming and ask for help. So, it's like, it's, 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 I feel like it's natural human instinct somehow to not ask for help. Uh, but, you know... That's cool that Influential You is there to help businesses and people looking to hit those goals kind of get there. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued. Well, it's funny too, right? Because it's like an innate human nature thing, right? Like I, I can't remember the first time I said no to my mom, but I know it was one of my first words. Yeah, hell yeah. Right? That was a long, yeah, long time ago. And it, I, I, I used to make this analogy like we all want to sing. Like I, I did it my way, but in the reality is like we just do it. Like we just naturally want to – to climb it ourselves to there. And there's a poverty to independence that people don't think about. Like if you're doing it all yourself, like in the end, who do you celebrate with? Right? Like I know you guys through Sean, uh, McFatridge. Yep. Sean McFatridge. Shout and out to Sean. Beautiful wife. Yeah. I mean, yep. Shout out to Anel. And I see them all around town, always hustling. And like the way that I got to know you guys is I helped them with the Ventura chamber. I was like, Hey, you guys need to come to the breakfast. You'll meet a bunch of people come and do that. And then what you find is like you help someone and they want to help you. And it's that give and take of human nature that if you want valuable help, give valuable help. Oh, yeah. And then now I get to hang out with you guys. And now Mamba knows who I am and follow me on Instagram. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we've all made it now, Josh. That's how I feel, too, since I've been on this podcast. Um, but you know what? Like you said, like um, – you, you mentioned the chambers, you mentioned city councils and things like that. You're also like a key member and a face of a couple of cool local chambers of commerce, right? Ventura County, Greater Conejo Valley, you were voted top 40 under 40. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty badass. Tell me about how did you get involved with these chambers of commerce? That's so good. Uh, you know, people don't know what a chamber does, but really when you stop. I don't, that was going to be my it, next yeah, question. What, what is the chamber of commerce? So when I was at guitar center corporate, I didn't know what they were either, but the chamber of commerce <laughs> is basically a place that advocates for business. Like I, I love, I love independent business owners. I also love Starbucks. I love good business. I also love Amazon. I love local business, but I also love all these things. But what you start to find is that really when we're making laws, we're not always thinking about what happens to the business when you make the laws. And so what happens is that there was an advocacy group for business to promote business. And even if your company is not a part of the chamber, they're still representing you. They're still representing oh, the business cool. interests. Um, and they represent everyone from the little mom and shop, pop shop, to the evil oil conglomerate, like, like and everyone in between, right? Okay. And so what you find is that in smaller cities, sometimes people really are pushing for, you know, and I love nature. We all love nature. That's why we live in Ventura. That's why we have the two trees. That's why we have all this. But we also need to remember that there are people that live here and need to work here. And right now, if you look at the demographics of Ventura, we're losing a significant amount of population because we can't afford to live here. And so it becomes a retirement community for Los Angeles where people just come in their 70s and they buy their homes and that's it. Well, I'm a millennial. I may never own a house because housing prices that someone bought $20,000, you know, 50, 60 years ago is now $750,000. Yeah. If that, probably more it, than that, man. I'm being nice, right? Yeah. So <laughs> what what I found was that the Guitar Center, when they would go to a new city, they'd want to join the chamber so you can get the mayor out and cut the ribbon and get, you know. The, Do all the, the things, thing. yeah. Um, so when I wanted to become a local, it took me 10 years when I moved to San Diego to kind of feel like a local in San Diego. I wanted to be a local in Ventura quicker. And the way that I needed to do that was through my company, go to the chamber and start joining them and networking and meeting, you know, the people that work here that have their businesses here. So I joined the chamber and my personality is one in which you can clearly ask me a question and I go for, you know, a half hour. Mm -hmm. And so I became the master of ceremonies for the Ventura breakfast. Ventura Breakfast is basically 130 businesses get together. You get 20 seconds to talk about your business and kind of network. Oh, it's almost like speed networking in a way. Exactly. Very cool. And it's super fun. And so I did that in Ventura. And then... How do you become a part of that? That sounds so dope. So, well, I mean, you just join. Like, you join the chamber and it's like 30 bucks and you come and do it. You guys you guys have been represented. Sean is coming. Oh, okay, and, yeah, good. I was going to say, what the hell? Tell them to come on all yeah. the time, right? All right? So you send your most outgoing people person and then cool. they go. And then Greater Conejo, uh, I kind of did them. That's my market. I kind of expanded the market, Santa Barbara. So you start to get in different chambers. And then you get known for kind of what you do. And I became known as the MC. COVID hits. And who is the best person in the world to run something but a guy who's allergic to everything outdoors, who's inside, that loves computers, grew up in the Bay Area, and networks. Like, I started setting up virtual 
mixers for the Ventura Chamber. And we did it through our process. We started from what's the aim to how many we wanted. And the Ventura Chamber, little Ventura, you know, 100,000 people, 80,000 people, had about 70 to 80 people on every single week with a representative from the city to let the business owners know, hey, what's going, like, this is what's happening next. You know, we're shutting this down. Hey, we're going to open up this thing that's going to be called Main Street Moves, and we're going to have, like, all of downtown shut down. And it's like, what? That's crazy, yeah. right? Now we're all like, dude, keep it. Like, we keep love it. Like it that. right? But well, now they're doing, now they're shutting down the sidewalks and stuff like it. that. So it's like. Yeah, and so it's, it's kind of a cool idea, but that all comes and originates from the yeah. business owners, right? So Greater Conejo is a lot bigger, bigger area, Thousand Oaks, um, uh, that whole Westlake Village. That Moving whole towards Agora, LA a little Agora bit, Hills. yeah, yeah. They're like, how is Little Ventura doing that? And so they hired me to come up and help MC there. So nice. I started working there, right? Good for you, man. Santa Barbara had me come down to the, the Santa Barbara chamber. And what you found is a lot of chambers that didn't keep continuing, like, to breaking everything down. Pause. If you only take one thing away from this podcast, this is where you take it. Value. Value is utility and scarcity. What makes me super useful and everybody wants it. If you can figure out your value as a musician – Super useful. Everybody wants it. Dude, you're going to blow up and everybody's going to follow you. If you can do it in radio, useful and everybody wants it, right? Well, I found that chambers that continued to give their their members value did really well during COVID. Businesses that continued to find ways to give their clients value did okay during COVID, even in the hardest time. Yeah. Chambers that didn't lost members like crazy, had to merge, had to do a lot of different things. And so watching my little city of Ventura blow up and now like they're still blowing up because they continue to like, give value to the different businesses they represent. That was kind of how we survived COVID. And so that was how I really got involved with all these things, 40 under 40, young professional of the year, all those, you know, whatever. But it's really fun because you're recognized for giving value back to the people that are helping you. And once again, it goes back to that four letter word we don't want to say if I help somebody, they're probably going to help me out too. That's and that's, right. that's how human beings have survived for centuries. So why all of a sudden am I not going to ask dad yeah. if I can have the cocoa puffs? Yeah. I mean, as much <laughs> as we want to know cocoa yeah. puffs in your house, dude, I can just based on your abs alone. Hey, well, <laughs> in my house, there is, there's the, hey, not cocoa puffs right now. There's apple jacks. There's frosted flakes. Nice. My daughter discovered frosted flakes. Uh, I purposefully keep Reese's puffs out as much as I can because they'll end up being midnight snacks way too often. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's really cool and and it's cool to hear you coming from the chamber of commerce and being there during covid because this podcast was founded during covid yeah. right so that's when it started so we have so many well-documented success stories of ventura owned businesses yeah. through covid and that's because we kept pivoting we kept moving we we did what we had to do to find that utility like how can we be useful well you, oh i can't give drinks well let's shut down main street and let me give you a my tie to go you know i can't remember i can't i can't but i still you know, blows my mind the first time I went to Ventiki and got a Mai Tai to go in a freaking <laughs> soda cup. I was like, where is this? Is this Bourbon Street? Is this New Orleans? Is Las Vegas? What's going on here? But you know what? Ventura was open to helping the businesses, yeah. which is really cool. And, and you know, like one of the things, that if you pivot the right way, you do really well. Yeah. But if you pivot wrong, you do a 360, right? You yeah. just keep pivoting and you're like, oh, we didn't get anywhere. So yeah. how do you think accurately about that move or that adjustment you need to do so that you're measuring twice and cutting once, right? Mm -hmm. The people that take the time to stop and think accurately and plan it out and strategize and do all those things that, you know, we do for different things. Like, hey, I know on Mondays I'm going to do, you know, a back and by. On Tuesday I'm going to do chest and try. I know what I'm going to do on these different things. I map it out. I write it down tend to do better in other areas of their life, not just in health, but in their work, in their business, in their, um, the way that they have friends, in the way that they're known. You can actually plot out how I want to be known, how this show is known, the career identity that it has will do more for you know it blowing up than many of the activities that we do to try to feed it. But if we can become known for the value that we provide, hey, we're going to tell you about business owners in Ventura. You want to be a local and you want to know what the business owners in the background, dude, you guys had John from Leashless on here. Yeah. You got, you know, how, how can we have these beers here? Right. Yeah. Because One. I got told by a uh, Marky Mark yeah. to bring these out. Right. Like I go to Dan Glassman. Hey dude, you've been on their show. Like I start looking at Ulrika and, and the people at Harvest Cafe and you start to realize, dude, 
we've got some badass business owners in here and you guys were smart enough to go and grab and be like, hey, tell your story. Yeah, and uh, there's so many. I mean, so many well-documented and we're just, I, I feel like we're still at the tip. You know, we haven't yeah. even gone below water surface on the iceberg that is Ventura business. And yeah. it's all unique, well-founded, like local spots. That's why I'm stoked for like to keep it local bash because it truly is. I mean, like that's that's been the roots of this this podcast, you know, and it's, it's been really cool. When is that again? That is going to be, I think it's May 18th, which is when you're listening to it, the coming Thursday. So it's it's going down. Josh, you're you're free that day, right? I'm gonna find out in a second if I'm free. <laughs> right. May 18th, yeah. and it's at it's the, next Thursday. Well, and it's at the watermark, right? That's yeah. that's how you if watermark. You, Whoa. If you drop, if What's you drop that, place? that What's the that old, place? The old watermark. That's, yeah. If you do that, that's how people go. Oh, you're real. Uh, okay, you've been I've around all these tricks. You've been I've around these tricks. Yeah. yeah, you start to call things by their old names. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So Top funny. of Limoni Saw. It's going down. Keep it local. Bash. It's gonna be. It's gonna be dope. And I'm hoping that your calendar is free because you're gonna miss out we'll figure not. out are you spinning what are you doing are you, are you playing? Uh, we're just Come gonna on. get there get some people old uh no i i haven't spinned and i don't know how long when's now. the last time that's a great question oh. when is the last time dj mambo has full-on spun some records uh maybe 2009 well, well see, uh, okay here. welcome to the yellow table this is your intervention <laughs> You know what? When it turned when it turned to digital, that's when I stopped. Uh, yeah, I was gotcha. I was a vinyl. DJ. Do you still have a vinyl set up at your house? Uh, no, I actually ha got the a controller like a yeah. digital, uh -huh. and and uh, yeah, it's not it wasn't for, me. for you. No. Yeah, well, Spinobi, right? Do you know? Are you familiar? Yeah. So yeah. Spinobi's got a Grammy, right? And he's like old school. Like yeah. that's that's yeah. one of my favorite dudes in town. And like oh, here I go with all the music <laughs> stuff. But like it's so funny because like you know like that's a thing. Like throwback. Like. Wait, I think there's someone else that does like um, um, vinyl here in town that you know. There's that, a lot of vinyl yeah, DJs, there's a lot yeah. Of, and I just, there's something more organic that you yeah. like, you know, there's really focusing versus like thumb drive play. And yeah. then dance like a, it's TikTok. <laughs> I love it, man. I mean, one of my good buddies, Pat Dawson, actually, first time I, and probably only time, if I'm really being honest and thinking about it, has actually tried to mix records and stuff. He had a, he had two tables, and we were mixing Run DMC, Whose oh. House, and Vanilla Ice, Ice, Ice Baby. <laughs> yeah, this was back in like I think it's like I think it's like fifth grade at this point or something. So shout out to Pat Dawson, but he kept that. And even like as we got older, and you'd go over his house and you'd kick back in his room or whatever, and uh, yeah, that's what he would. Dude, just throw on a record and just drop the needle and play. I was like, yeah, Pat was always a smooth ass like music guy, you know. Yeah, so Had like a Coltrane poster in his fucking room. And stuff. Oh, he was always yeah. like, he was always like next level musician kind of guy. But yeah, there's something different about a vinyl record versus like you're saying the digital spin. Yeah. Yeah, so show up on the 18th, and you will not see Mambo spinning. No, you will not, but you'll even see <laughs> we'll him be better. You'll see him live we'll in person. That's right. We'll, we'll be, be there business. having a good time. Old good. school old school kickback. Everybody listening gets an opportunity to be there at the Keep It Local ba local Bash, like Mambo said. DM us. We'll find a way to get you in there. We'll get you, hopefully, some drink tickets and stuff. You'll come have a good time. But everybody is not going to get a chance to answer a live random question, except for you, Josh oh Domingo. So this episode's random question question is brought to you by Fluid State Beer Garden right here in Ventura County. They are our Persistence Culture Business of the Month. If you're listening to this on Saturday morning, hopefully you're doing it on your ride to Fluid State to join us for our drop-in wad at Fluid State and then join us for happy hour afterwards at Fluid State. Get some epic pizza, get some great drinks, and have a good time with us down there at Fluid State. But without further ado, Josh, here is your random question from Mambo. I'm still thinking about this one, coming up with it. What's your favorite thing that starts with the letter B? Oh, bananas. Wow. Bananas. That was quick. Bananas. That was quick. That was quick. You were, you guys just really love bananas. Like bananas. Monkeys eat bananas. They have no uh have you seen this thing? It's a it's a it's a it's a thing. It's a baseball player from Seattle. He goes, Monkeys eat bananas, they get no cramps. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see <laughs> right? the video. Like, the video is hilarious. And uh that's I, I tell you, um every morning after my workout, it is that chocolate shake and that banana. And I tell you, that is uh, every run, everywhere I go. If if and and it has to be. A, there's a certain yellow. It's got to be more yellow, like this desk. The second <laughs> it starts to go brown, like even a spot out, like get out. Out or muffins? I mean, come on, muffins, banana bread. Come on, you're not a banana bread fan. I, I'm. I can get behind the banana bread, but I'm not the baker of the family. So therefore, I'd be like, eh, like get rid of it. Like in, in my house, be banana. That's gonna be all day long. Nice. Wow. Nice. I don't even think I finished asking the question. <laughs> there's a, I mean, it was. It was 
was quick. That yeah. was rapid fire. That might be the fastest random. Might be the fastest random question answer ever. <laughs> but while we're on the topic, though, me and my wife were talking about it. Joel, if you're listening to this episode, which you better be. Uh, but <laughs> what I was gonna say is, you need to make some banana bread, some protein banana muffins, or I don't know what's going on in your mind for your next great sweet fuel creation. But I would love a banana protein muffin or something. She's like killing that. it with the donuts. Oh, right dude, now. the donuts are the donuts yeah. are fire. They're like next level. That's like it doesn't even make any yeah. sense how that's possible to have that type of nutritional value in that donut but <laughs> she's doing she's doing good stuff i'm thinking bees right my wife loves butterfingers so i end up oh, eating yeah. butterfingers a lot so i mean that's a solid that's a solid bee right there but it's not my it's just i don't know if that's my favorite though like i'm trying to think of what i, I was it could still be. thinking about it until josh walked in and beer, beer. oh beer. jesus yeah. duh yeah holy shit <laughs> if we have to conceptualize all the beer together and just say beer then yeah i mean that is gonna that's gonna trump it but right now it's basketball too the lakers are oh, rolling okay. hopefully they're gonna kick the shit out of the warriors right while we're listening to this and talking about it right now um I was repping my Sixers shirt all day. Big nice. Sixers fan. We handled Boston last night. So hopefully I'm hoping <laughs> for a Lakers Sixers finers, finals Ooh. so then I could take out a second mortgage on my house and <laughs> get some nosebleeds. Get some nosebleeds at crypto and be at that game. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Like, I, 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 and hopefully I, you'll sing the national anthem. Well, Let's make that happen. Let's manifest it now, Josh. You know, Let's manifest anthem. it now. So when we talk LeBron about. LeBron will talk to you. When we talk about getting a random season game versus getting the national anthem <laughs> at a playoff game. It's a little bit of a trick. A little more than an email. I'm going to need you guys to get a little bit of uh, listeners on this show. Let's do it. Let's do it. Get that out there. We'll get the reels out there. We'll start right now. Like we said, it's all about social media too, right? So we just got to get in touch with the right people. But we got in the right touch with the right people for a badass episode today, Josh. It was really a pleasure getting to know you and have you here at the Yellow Table. Oh, my pleasure, man. Thank you. I love what you guys are doing. I love the the businesses you guys have coming. You, either one of you guys want to come out to the Ventura Chamber for the breakfast. We do the first Friday of the month. First Friday of the month? Like what time? uh, First Friday of the month. 8 p 8 a.m. and it goes from 8 we get you out at 945 uh ouch and on your way to start your day by 945 and so if you're uh, a business owner and you want to network with other business owners it's the best way you come out tell me you do a podcast it's a badass podcast i'd love to do i got it. a full-time job but i can probably finagle uh, uh, late, a late late start exactly yeah, yeah, yeah i can drop month. a couple hours of pto <laughs> yeah, figure it out yeah, uh yeah I'll, I'll stay in touch with you on that yeah. i'm definitely i'm definitely interested well plus you show up to that and you get all these you know business owners you suddenly you get the sponsors and thousand percent dude you, goodbye day job hey Hello, night job. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, what we're Josh, looking for. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for checking out the podcast. Make sure you guys give us a follow at Persistence Culture. Keep moving. Yes. Mm.